Last week we started the theme for the year, which is press, push, keep pursuing until you've established the testimony of God through everything you do. Perfected it this week. Spelt right. Press, push, keep pursuing until you have established the testimony of God through everything you do. How much? Everything. The word keep means it's ongoing, it's continuous. You know, last week when I spoke the preceding word, I explained how God spoke to me in a dream prior to Christmas. And uh, I take seriously when God speaks to me. I don't have many dreams. Well, I do have many, I have a lot of dreams, but not those kind of dreams. And, um, and God spoke to me in this dream about how we as a house, if you look around you now, this, this is how the word will be proved to us in our hearing, how we as a house were going to come into growth. But we would have to do things to inspire that growth to come into place. People say, oh, I like the growth when you just walk through the door. That's not always the best kind of growth. Because behind every person who walks through a door, that's you and me, there's always a history and there's always a story. Amen? At least you know when you get somebody saved, they come from a life. You, know, you expect that. But when Christians walk in from other churches sometimes, there's a reason why most Christians leave one place and go to another. We all, most of us ended up in one place because of that. So, and sometimes that takes a, a while before it manifests. But when it manifests, whoosh, it manifests. So, and I told you how the Lord is telling us to prepare. And I asked the Lord, Lord, what do you want us to do? And this is what he said to me. Tell the people to press, push, and keep pursuing me until they have established the testimony of God through everything they do. And last week we spoke from Revelation chapter 12, 11. And he said, they overcame him by the, the testimony, by the blood of the lamb and by the testimony of their word, or the word of their testimony. Yes? And uh, I'll speak something about that in a minute. But I really want us to make this declaration. It might not be a bit small for you, but this is what I sense. When the word of God, listen to me, don't read that a minute, just listen to me for a minute. When God speaks... Your response and my response is of utmost importance. Nobody likes to be ignored. Nobody likes to be not listened to. And God is no different. So when God speaks to us, you may sit there and think, well, he spoke to you, Pastor, he didn't speak to me. The fact that I'm telling you what he told me is him speaking to us. Because if God's just going to speak to me for me, what's the point of me telling you? But when God speaks to me for us, I have to tell you. I'm bound by the Spirit to tell you. Then it's up to you to do what you need to do with what you're hearing. But today, let the, let the, the congregation of the saints of God hear what the Spirit of God is declaring to us. Faith comes to those who need it. If you're not going anywhere in life, why do you need faith? But if you want to serve God, you must have faith. Because it's without faith, it's impossible to please God. God. So, with that being said, there will be no breakthrough, no provision received, no protection felt, or progress made in my life, your life, our lives. There'll be no profit, no projects pursued or fulfilled, just as there will be no promises or promotion given to me until. Stop. Until. Until what? We clearly hear what God has said and is saying. From what God speaks, I, we, must wholeheartedly respond in order to establish him through everything we do. So there will be no breakthrough in my life. There will be no provision received, no protection felt or progress made in my life, your life. Think of this. There's going to be no profit, no projects pursued or fulfilled, just as there will be no promises or promotion given until there's a condition. Until what? Until I can clearly hear and respond to what God is saying. Because why do I want to use all my effort going the wrong way? 
If what God said was pushing me this way, and you're going that way, then you're actually working directly against what he says. Now, when you're at home and you're being raised by your parents, and your parents say, don't do this, and you go against them, what normally happens? Exactly, trouble. And then you end up becoming deceitful to try and hide what you, what you know you shouldn't be doing, and then you lie, and then you get yourself in all kinds of mess until eventually you cry, and in your tears you think, that's it now. But God, lets, God is a God who will let you cry. Because he knows, it's not the, I'm not fooled by your tears. Can, have you come to the end of your ways? Oosh. The prodigal son says, he came, when he came to his senses, you know, coming to your senses is one step, but what about coming to the end of your ways? I can come to my senses and say, you know what, you're right, but I don't take the responsibility. I've got to come to the end of my ways, not just my senses. Last week, like I said, there are things that, En route to you pressing and pushing and pursuing, there are things that speak for you and I. And we said from Revelation 12 that the blood of the Lamb speaks for us. And then we looked in Scripture and we showed you that there are three things that actually speak for us. There is the blood, the water, and the Spirit. Those three things speak for us. This week, I want to address the things that you must speak. So if you want a title for this morning's message, it is the power to say yes, the power to say no. Because there are two powers that you have. How many of you know that? So if you go in your Bibles to 2 Corinthians 6 verse 17, therefore come out from them. And be separate, says the Lord. Touch no unclean thing, and I will receive you. I will be a father to you, and you will be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. Since we have these promises, dear friends, let us purify ourselves from everything that contaminates what? Body and spirit. Perfecting holiness out of reverence for God. Very powerful scripture. Now I have found, and I'm sure some of you have found, that en route to me, pressing, pushing, and pursuing God, so that the testimony of God will be established through everything I do, I have learned that there are some things that I consciously have to separate myself from. Have you learned that? I have learned there are things that I must consciously, continuously move closer towards. And things I must move away from. Consciously and continuously. I must move to some things and away from some things. How many of you believe that? I've realized that I'm root to establishing this testimony. There are some things I can touch and I can't touch. Some things I should touch and things I should not touch. How many of you know that? There are clean things and unclean things. There are unhealthy, healthy things. There are prosperous things and non-prosperous things. There are things that will lead me to my fulfillment and things that will lead to my derailment. True? I must touch some things in order for me to deepen and develop my Christianity. The, con- the opposite of that will only result in the opposite of that being produced. I must like, you must like, sorry, you must and I must develop a lightning for self-discipline. Oy. And for personal holiness, please say that again with me. I must develop a liking for self-discipline 
and for personal holiness. What did, what did that scripture tell us? It says, since we have this promise, dear friends, let us purify ourselves. Us purify ourselves. Not God, us purify ourselves. The onus is on you and I from everything that contaminates body and spirit. Perfecting holiness out of reverence for God. So it says, I push, press and pursue out of my reverence for God. More of God is worked in me and through me. Therefore, more of the, more of the testimony of God is established in me and through me. As I do it, not God, I do it with God. Does that make sense? If I truly am found pushing into God and pressing in and, and pushing on towards or pressing on towards that mark that God's called me, then I will truly birth the testimony of God in my life. I believe that. I know my greatest enemy is not the devil. My greatest enemy is my own flesh and blood. And by that, I don't mean my family. I mean me. I am my own worst enemy and I am my greatest asset at times. God's ultimately my greatest friend, companion, and all the other things he is. He's more just an asset. But I, my thinking, my will, my decisions, choices I make, you make, are my greatest friend or my worst enemy. So when the packet of crisp is sat on the table, and you can look at it like that, you can go around the back of the crisp, you can keep on doing that until eventually you go into the packet of crisp, you enter Jordan, and you partake of the food, <laughs> and then you realize calories will come and get you. My flesh and blood, my inner cravings. Who has any inner cravings? How many of you know that flesh and blood and your inner cravings will and want to separate you from God? Your cravings, my cravings, my flesh and blood cravings want to separate me from God. From doing the will of God. When I see something I shouldn't touch and I have a strong desire for it, it takes an equally strong force to shut it off. It's true. And that which I don't, that, when that force doesn't rise up, I'm taken. I'm taken by my cravings. My flesh and blood, your flesh and blood. Cravings will try to ruin you, discredit you, and destroy you. They will destroy your testimony. They will destroy your testimony. Phil and I were talking just back uh, in the cafe just a minute ago, and we were saying that Sometimes the guy who stands on the street with his blackboard telling you you're all going to hell, or his blackboard's telling you you're all going to hell, that's the easiest form of evangelism. Thank God. Now, is he telling you the truth? Yes. But what he's not doing, he's telling you, showing you the testimony of that truth in his life. People want to see a testimony and evidence of a changed life. So I can be sinful and I can still hold a plaque up telling you the truth. But I'm not living truth and I'm not the evidence of that truth. Why? Because my inner cravings, my flesh and blood thinking, all that kind of stuff that goes with flesh and blood can lie. Do you know I know it? Christians go to church every week and they are not the testimony. They are not the example. Do you know I know that? Because I did it for years. Do you know there's another word for it called hypocrites? Liars. So the power of yes and the power of no, or the power to say yes and the power to say no. You, can, you can't push, press and pursue, and you'll never establish the testimony of God 
If you have no inward power to say yes and say no. It's just the way it is. Millions of people this year, on the 1st of January, said no to them putting on increased weight. Now you're laughing, but this is an example. It starts, we smile because we don't see the consequences today. But you want to take the seriousness of not saying no, because we know all the ramifications of health-wise when we don't put our bodies into self-discipline. Diabetes, heart problems, all those other things. And we think, oh, it's okay, it's okay. It's not okay, because of somewhere. And then you say, I need healing. No, you need a bit more self-discipline to say no. And you wouldn't have got to this stage. Now, I'm not saying every sickness is, is, is a result of that. But the point is, I'm saying where there should have been self-discipline, there should have been self-discipline. So I'm talking to everyone in this room. Because we all fall into that, don't we? So, so many people said, no, a strong no. I'm going to have to... And they all breathe in when they say that, don't they? I'll breathe in. You're getting under discipline this year. And then the mouth goes. <laughs> so they said no to extra weight and yes to diet and exercise. Or yes to diet. Some said yes to exercise, but didn't say yes to diet. And I realized the two have to go together. Listen to the old man talking here. I, for years, have tried just to go to the the gym and bypass the diet. And you know what? You end up working harder in the gym, but getting nowhere. It's true. (laughs) Yeah, I have to pass the McDonald's to get to my gym. It's just a little test that God says, can you pass the golden arches? Yes, I can pass the golden arches. (laughs) but I do go into McDonald's after I've been to the gym for a coffee never a burger and the evidence is sat there he has a Big Mac I don't but (laughs) still people have said no this year to receiving a poor income I'm going to do something this year I'm going to say yes to more education yes to a better opportunities and I'm going to push and I'm going to press and I'm going to pursue A better job prospect. Because you see the advantages of doing that. Yes? You think more dollar, more pounds, greater prospects. They've made a conscious decision to say yes to change their financial future. True? True? But how many said yes to an improved Christian lifestyle? Others have said no to continued poor relationships. I'm not going to stay in this relationship or I'm not going to hang around these people anymore because they add bad things to me or they subtract good things from me. But the discipline in keeping the no strong is... The issue, not the saying it, it's in the doing it. Now, when you say yes and you say no, it can appear as your personal crucifixion. When you say no to a flesh and blood desire, it will crucify you at some point. Because you'll feel the anguish and the pain of the flesh and blood. So it's crucifixion time. Father, if this cup be possible, if this burger be possible, take it from me. No, no, just don't go in and buy it. <laughs> Never mind, take it from you. What am I, to, what am I a Burger King? No, I'm God. You, you went in there, you bought it. So Lord, if this cup be possible, take that crowd away. No, you say no. You must have the power to say no and yes. You must separate yourself and purify yourself. God will help you when he sees the will is towards his will. Let me say that again. God will help you when he sees your will is towards his will. Yes? But first of all, you're saying, God, do it for me. In other words, bypass my will. 
He's never bypassed your will. God doesn't change that knowing that you still are resisting it. God says, no, 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 I can see your will is still against me. So why should I change this when your will is not for me? I'll change it, but your will is still the same. So God says, no, when your will becomes my will, then my will will be done. Say that again. When your will becomes my will, then my will will be done. It's true. So we said last week that things speak for us, the blood, the water, and the spirit. And these things speak for us where there is no sound made. But your yes and your no is you having to speak so that a sound has to be made and should be made and needs to be made. This power to say no. So let's go to Titus. I've just put the scriptures up there, but you'll have to turn to them in your Bible. Titus chapter 2, verse 11. Titus 2, verse 11. For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. So if you have salvation, it's appeared to you. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions. Oh, that's so good, I'm going to say it again. For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. It teaches us to say no to all ungodliness and to worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright and godly lives in this present age. This grace does not weaken by generation. This grace does not weaken by different political governments. This grace is present in every generation and it's as just as strong today as it was the day the grace was given. And it teaches us to say no to ungodliness. And no to worldly passions and to live a self-controlled appearing, sorry, self-controlled upright and godly life in this present age. While we wait for the blessed hope, that's the return of Christ. Amen? Verse 14. Who gave himself for us to redeem us from all wickedness and to purify himself, a people that are his very own, eager to do what is good. Then, these then are the things you should teach, encourage and rebuke with all authority. Do not let anyone despise you for doing it. Now in this modern world, this message does not go down well. Because sleeping, dating, doing all the things that this world does, we're classed as bigots, you know, controlling Dominating, or your Bible's out of date. And you have no tolerance for anything. You're just bigots. So they expect you to collapse your belief. To suit their, the modern philosophy of the day. I'm sorry, can't do it. Sorry, I have to say no. I have to say no to ungodliness. Now I know... That when ungodliness comes in the church, another power rises up. Do you know what it's called? Sentimentality and justification. Not the justification of the Bible. But justification that says, you don't understand. If you was in this place, you would think differently. Sentiment says, because the family members are in the church, you can't push and press the issue, because the family might decide to walk out and don't like the fact that you might have to just rebuke some people. So then now we get an internal issue. So we're all expected to keep quiet and the elephant's in the room. And we let that, we let that demonic elephant sit in the room and now it's manipulating us and controlling us from truth rising up and addressing something. The best way is don't let the elephant in the room in the first place. And this is where so, time and time again, the enemy can walk in 
just one family in the church and it can really put the cat amongst the pigeons. It's true. It's true, church. In the Corinthian church, you had a very issue where the guy was sleeping with his father's wife. And Paul says, don't make me come down there. When I come down there, I will address this issue. It was in the church. You think, how the heck did it get in the church? Why? Because flesh and blood brought it into the church. And then tried to justify it. Well, it's not my mother. It's not my mother. It's my dad's wife. Oh, so that makes it all right, is it? Woo! Colossians 2.20. If we are going to push, press, and pursue, we have to learn this. We have, these are the things that's going to stop you and I from establishing the testimony of God through everything we do. Flesh and blood will bring you down. I see flesh and blood enter this church every Sunday and I see flesh and blood leave this church in one dimension. But when flesh and blood is stronger than the spirit within you, then we have a carnal Christian. Hello? Because my spirit is carried in flesh and blood. But my spirit should not be dictated to by flesh and blood, but many times I allow it. Come on. So since you died, Colossians 2.20, since you died with Christ, have you died with Christ? That's why the spirit and the blood and the water speak. Because you died with Christ. The spirit, the water, and the blood speak because you are considered dead in Christ and you are now legitimate as to claim yourself as a son and daughter of the living God. So blood and water and and the, the spirit speak for you. So since you died with Christ to the basic principles of this world, why as though you still belong to it, do you submit to its rules? Now here's three things. You want to write this down in your Bible. And here's a little guide for you to test your flesh and blood. Do not handle. Do not taste. Do not touch. Put those things down on your fridge magnet. So when you're going into the fridge for the profiteroles, do not touch, do not handle, do not taste. That is a godly directive to your life. So when you're with your friends and your friends are suggesting things, or when you're on your own, remember three little words or three little phrases, do not touch, Do not handle, do not taste. Now, if you can remember those three things and bring your will around those three things, you, my friend, will overcome the flesh and blood. Do not handle your hands. Do not taste your mouth or the experience. What's the other one? Do not touch, do not taste, do not handle. These are three basic things that you and I should be very, very aware of if you have these little golden rule inside your life. So if you feel yourself being tempted, just think to yourself, touch, taste, handle, do not. Do not. You know the, you know the forensics and you put, you, the police put the, uh, the thing around, you know what they call it, the, the tape? Don't enter in, don't touch, don't handle, don't taste. Contaminate, that's it. Don't contaminate yourself. There are three things just to warn you that you're about to go into a contaminated zone. The three simple ways to remember how to control the flesh and blood. These three things speak. Have you noticed that? These three things have the power to say, yes. Touch me. Handle me. Taste me. No one will ever know. Only you and I. These things must be spoken to by you. 
Just as those voices come from the inside saying, taste, touch, handle, a stronger power has to rise up and say, no, I will not touch, I will not taste, I will not handle. Joseph said when it came to sexual temptation, no. Daniel said, I have made a covenant, was it Job? Sorry, Job said, I've made a covenant with my eyes. To say, no, I won't touch, I won't taste, and I won't handle. How many of you know it's a real power? It's a real battle. But how many of you know the pain, the pain, the guilt, the condemnation, the mess, when we say yes to something we should have said no. The regret when we should have said yes to something that we said no to. This is not true. <laughs> it says in two, sorry, Colossians 2, verse 22, These all are destined to perish with use. Wow. They are based on human commands and teachings. Go on, touch it, it'll be all right. Pornography's all right. An affair's all right. Get drunk, it's all right. Get involved with that relationship, it's all right. These are all things destined to perish it's hard to say no but it's not impossible wow whoops go back 2 Corinthians 7 1 says this since we have these promises dear friends let us purify ourselves from everything that contaminates body and spirit there are things that contaminate your spirit not just your body you know, food, the wrong food or too much of the wrong food contaminates your body, doesn't it? That's why fasting, oh, fasting, what? I have to go wrong without food? Yes, fasting, fasting, fasting isn't fast, it's slow. So I don't want to call it fasting. <laughs> it's not fasting, it's slow fasting, slow cook. It's where your flesh goes, I want some food, I want some food. I want some food. But you know, fasting just on a physical health scale is very, very healthy. You purify your body of toxins and your blood count goes up in a positive way. They do exercises. I watched a video on this only the other week. Those who fast are far more healthier than those who don't. Poor people, poor people's blood is healthier than people who are not poor. So even though they may not have the choice about being poor, when they did the blood samples, their blood was healthier because they ate less. The body might not be suffering. I'm not talking about malnutrition now. I'm talking about maybe getting three meals a day. Yes? I watched this documentary the other day. It's only a 10-minute documentary, but it was very insightful. Fasting is good. With or without prayer. I'm talking about physically, it's good for your body. Spiritually, it's good for your spirit and your body. So fasting this year, we will do a lot of. Why? Because it's the only way for you and I to separate flesh and blood from the spirit. No, I don't want to fast. Don't make me fast. I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll go without my dinner. Come on, grow up, mature. <laughs> well, can I, if I just don't eat my chips... And I'm my burger. Is that a fast? Grow up. Go and get an understanding of fasting. Yeah, I'll leave it all for Lent. Please, give me a break. Since we have these promises, dear friends, let us purify ourselves. From what? Everything that contaminates body and spirit, perfecting holiness out of reverence for God. It's all out of reverence for God. That's, you're not doing it for me. You're not doing it just necessarily just for you, albeit they're, they're not bad reasons, but for reverence to God, to honour God with your life, to honour God with your flesh and blood. See, it's amazing how quick you clear a church when you talk about crucifying flesh and blood. Because I don't know any self-help message, help me out here if I'm wrong, I don't know any self-help message from all these speakers who ever talk about crucifying the flesh. No self-help messages ever tell you to, to crucify the flesh. They're all telling you how to feel better, think better, 
be better. What about getting back to the basic principles of holiness and reverence for God? When Jesus comes for his church, that's exactly the hallmarks that he will expect to see working in his people. Jesus won't be coming back to put the cherry on the cake of self-help message and self-help church. If you want to self-help, work out your own flesh and work out your own salvation. So, looking how the handling, tasting and touching of the world has infiltrated the lives and uh, behavior of the church, I am appalled and amazed at just how much of flesh and blood is in today's church. Now, here's another thing that we all say, absolutely, yes, but we don't think it's in us. We accuse everybody else and everyone else's church of being flesh and blood. But no, we're all right in this church. We're okay. We're the redeemed. God's coming back for us. They're not going back. They're going to hell. <laughs> the issue is this. Let's go back. Now we're really getting... Can I really put the cat amongst the pigeons? Let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 6. Looking how, the, uh, looking how the, the handling, taste, and the touching of the world has infiltrated in the lives and behavior of the church. This scripture gives us a little window. 2 Corinthians 6.14 says, Do not be yoked together. Just stop there a minute. Don't touch. Don't taste. Don't handle. Don't be yoked together with unbelievers. Everybody understand that? Everybody understand what that means? In other words, don't be. Didn't say don't go for coffee with them. Yoked is a different word. He didn't say he didn't reach him because Jesus himself sat with him. Yoked is something different. And we'll, we'll see that in a minute. Don't be yoked together with unbelievers. He's very clear. Unbelievers. For what do righteousness and wickedness have in common? Wow. Or what fellowship can light have with darkness? What harmony is there between Christ and Belial? Belial is another word for the devil or Satan. What does a believer have in common with an unbeliever? You and I have to answer these questions. You and I have to answer them. Why? Because you're expected to adjust your behavior according to what's just been written. True? So, what do righteousness and wickedness have in common? The answer is... Nothing. But today, so many believers handle, touch, and taste the same things that non-believers are touching, tasting, and handling. And we call it the contemporary church. Church, natural, the seeker-friendly church. Attitude. We have to be very careful that when we're talking about holiness, we don't instigate the law. Okay? I don't want to live under the law. I want to live by the power of grace. Why? Because the law doesn't teach me, it expects me. But the power of grace teaches me to say no. So when my will is to serve God, the power of grace will teach me to say no and how to overcome it. If I am, I have that propensity. Yes? The grace of God. The grace of God. It said the law came through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. So, we must be very careful not to instigate law, but we must instigate the standards of righteousness, grace, and holiness. Okay? That, for many people, has got, has made them become legalistic. One side throws it all out because he said we're under law and it's legalistic. Know this truth and we need to find the truth. The other side says, you're all a bunch of sinners. There's only us who's right. So, that's not true. But grace and truth teach us how to say yes and to say no. 
So, it also says wrong partnerships. Now, that's a big one in today's church. Wrong partnerships. Well, I'm called, I'm missionary dating. So I'm going to, I'm on a mission and I'm missionary, I'm a missionary now to this unsaved person and I'm going to missionary date them till we get to the altar. But the trouble is you get to the altar and they're still not saved. So now you, now you break the first law that says now you're going to be yoked. But I love them. Good for you. You better add. (laughs) So that wrong partnership then creates unwholesome relationship in the church we have unwholesome fellowship I'm meeting with them I'm meeting with her she's meeting with me and we're having fellowship really oh wrong harmony with Belial in other words I'm here I'm not part of it and you kid yourself that you can resist it but little by little it's pushing you it's winding you in I've been part of that. Why? Because we go by the law of good feel factor. Then we find we have the wrong things in common. Then we find we have common, we build a common ground. Then we find we build an agreement. And at that point, you're gone. You're gone. At any part, at any stage, you did not exercise the power of no. You exercise the word yes. And as a result, you compromised. Hey, I didn't say it was easy, guys. I didn't say it was easy. I'm just saying, this is still the truth, even though your personal circumstances, everyone's got a personal circumstance. But what I like about the scripture, it talks outside your circumstance. Why? Because truth is not found in your circumstance. Truth sits outside because it's not emotional. It's not about flesh and blood. Spirit and truth. Yes? So if you're going to press and push in after what God wants and you're going to see establish uh, the testament, there's certain things you have to say yes and no to. You can't walk in agreement with God. Listen, you cannot walk in agreement with God and then expect God to change the rules for you. I've tried that. (coughs) Well, God, if you just... No. Well, God, you know how much? No. Well, I'm telling you, God, if you allow this, I'm yours forever. No. But God, if you really love me, you would let that. No. Right? I'm not following you then. You come and chase me. Uh, no. I, the Lord, do not change. I don't chase you. Just like it didn't chase him. Just like it didn't chase them. When your heart is not towards me, it's not towards me. I'm not a begging, pleading God. And we don't like the idea of that. Because we have a sense that we're valuable to God. Which is true. And we think that our value will then is enough to manipulate God to change his mind. No. I like the word no. Kids hate the word no. Children, immature people, Christians hate the word no. But God is a yes and no God. He's yes when he's yes and he's no when he's no. There's no grey areas. There ain't 50 shades of grey. There's black and white. I like it with God. He lets you know where you stand. Once you're in agreement with God, you cannot change the rules. So I'm going to ask you to stand if you will. And I'm going to ask you, only if you feel you where this message is. Do you know what I just said there? If your will is to be conformed to his will, then you might want to make this declaration with me. But if you're just standing up because everyone else has stood up, then you just stood up because everyone else has stood up. But I can't, I have no control what comes out of your mouth. It's going to be voluntary. It's going to be real or it's going to just be rubbish. So why don't you just stand up, if you will. And I want you to close your eyes because it's not coming on the screen. 
No one's looking at each other. Just raise your hands if you will, because this is serious. We're talking about pressing, pushing, and pursuing God in order to establish the testimony of God through everything we do, I do. So in order for me to press and push and pursue, I have to learn to say yes and no. So we're going to learn to say no first. And this is what we're going to say no to. If you feel this is in your will to say no, then please feel free to repeat it after me. We're going to say no to having an all things in common type of lifestyle. Go on, just say that to the Lord. Lord, I'm saying no. Let it verbally come out your mouth. No, I'm going to have no to an all things type common lifestyle. I cannot fit in with everything and everyone. There are some things I have to say no. I'm not going to do it. I can't fit in with everyone. You're not meant to fit in. You're meant to stand out. You're meant to be light. Now don't lose pace with me. Keep strong with me if you will. Maybe this one might be hard for some of you, but nevertheless it's still a no. I'm going to say no to wrong partnerships. Destiny is often, my destiny is often more important than people. I will not say yes to the wrong partnership. The next thing is, I'm going to say no to wrongfully being bound and bond. What's the difference? Bond is to form a close connection, joining two or more people together. Right? Bound, sorry, that's bound. Bond is, can also be a written agreement of a promise about to be made. So I will not be bound and I will not be bond to the wrong things. <laughs> I'm going to say no to wrong fellowship, Lord. No. I'm going to say no to the wrong kind of harmony with the devil. Just so it can appease my flesh and blood. No, Satan, no. I'm going to say no to having an agreement to worldly patterns. Because worldly patterns seduce and reduce me. I'm going to say no to not having God first in my life. I'm going to say no to not having legitimate sonship. I will not live as a victim or an orphan. I am a son. I am a daughter of the living God. That is my position. I'm going to say no to not having the presence of God dwelling over my life and in my household. I'm going to say no to not having the presence of God dwelling in my life and in my household. (coughs) God will fill everything. And that way he'll get the glory. Here's a big one for some of you. I'm going to say no to not having accurate fellowship in my life. That means get your family, get yourself under the covering of the local leadership. You cannot follow if you're not correctly aligned. So go on, feel free. If that's what's in your heart. Oh, no, it's not many praying now, eh? Okay, I'll say it. I'm going to say no to not having accurate fellowship. What that means is my, me and my household will be covered, covered by the local leadership. That's how I follow. They're the chain of command. Well, that was a quick prayer. (laughs) 
Here's one. No to not having the same God and the same Father. Don't separate God from Father. Some people have a bad experience because of the way they've been raised. They separate God from Father. God is Father God. So I'm not going to say yes to God, but no to him being a father. No, I'm saying no, I'm having Father God. I refuse to let the two be divided because of the way I feel. I will look to you as my father. Because that's what you are. Two more. No to not having a clear sense of destiny. I will have a clear sense of destiny. (laughs) Know who you are called to be and know what you're called to do. You get one of those two things wrong and it will confuse your destiny. Phil read the scripture out to us this morning. We have this word made clear and certain. Why? The word spoken makes it clear and certain. So therefore, I have the right to expect my destiny to be made clear to me. So I must know what I am created to be and what I'm created to do. Get one of those wrong and they'll, they'll attack the other. The last one, no, and this is, follows on for the one thing you've just prayed. I'm going to say no to not having a clear pathway leading to my destiny. Why? Because as I stay under the word and plant it in the house, it will keep on being made clear to me. Amen? Now just sit down for a minute. I'm nearly finished. I guarantee all those areas I've just mentioned there. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen. Thirteen areas is the areas that you'll be challenged on in your flesh and blood this year. They will be the areas that try to reduce, seduce and derail you from you pursuing pressing and establishing the testimony of God in your life. And how will they do it? Through your flesh and blood. I guarantee you, any time someone says, we're off, I'll just point to one of those. Which one seduced you? Which one reduced you? Which one now is derailing you? The one we say yes to, that's true. But it will reveal, it will appeal to your flesh. And what it'll do, it'll appeal to, and it'll agitate you. It will agitate you, or it will cause you to move towards wanting to see these things established. When flesh and blood is at its prime, when you bring holiness in, you feel agitated because the two powers are colliding. And when the power in you is to say yes to what's seducing you, and it's not greater than the no to resist it, the power in you is the stronger power. It's not the stronger power, but it's the stronger power in you. And you will consciously move towards, because that makes you feel uncomfortable. If I want sex with the wrong person, and I want sex, guess what? I don't want to know about your gospel. I'm going to feed the flesh. I'll deal with that later. And that's the power to say yes or no. Oh, but she's beautiful. So what? There's always beautiful women. There's always beautiful men. You just didn't find one that no one else has got. You just found one that appealed to you. And whenever I always tell myself, I always tell myself this. This is my don't touch, don't handle, don't taste. When I see something beautiful, I am a man and I'm flesh and blood. I don't go, I can't look at her. I can acknowledge she's a good-looking woman. But that's where it stops. Then I tell myself, 
she ain't mine. End of. Walk away. Oh, she's beautiful. Oh, beautiful didn't mean I can stand there and ogle. Beautiful. God created beautiful things. I'm one of them. To somebody. To somebody, I'm beautiful. And to myself, I'm okay. I'm happy with being me. Am I David Beckham? No, I'm better. No, I, I'm not trying to be anybody else. I'm happy with Tony being Tony. I'm, I'm quite content in the way God's made me. I really am. So I don't have the look of da-da-da-da-da. But he doesn't look like me. So, and if you're good looking, good luck to you. And if you're all together, even better. So when it comes to an agreement, I must have accurate absolutes. Now that we've said, now that you've said no to some stuff, you must build accurately to make sure no becomes permanent. Amen? Amen? And you don't start ending up falling for the opposite. You cannot walk like a free-range chicken. You can't walk like a free-range chicken. You can't. Because someone else's interpretation of free-range means, well, it's in free-range, so I can take it. No, it doesn't mean, that doesn't mean free. That's not the free-range. The point is, free-range, you were never designed to wander anywhere you want to go. You were always designed to be led. You have, a, you have a boundary. You have a territory. And in that boundary and territory, that's where you have dominion. And that dominion is to say no to some stuff and yes to other stuff. That's why we're in a kingdom. That's the kingdom given to us. So let's go back to the original scripture and we're coming to the finish. We're going to say yes uh, declaration in a second. So 2 Corinthians 6.17 says this. Therefore, come out of them and be separate, says the Lord. Touch no unclean thing. And I will receive you. And I'll be a father to you. Notice, there's the father. And you'll be my sons. There's the legitimacy. And daughters, says the Lord Almighty. Since we have these promises, dear friends, let us purify ourselves. In other words, let there be consensus amongst us. Let there be a conclusion amongst us that we see what God is saying is actually for our benefit. And when we move towards it, because when we see that and we move towards it, then the grace of God teaches us to say no to ungodliness. Does this make sense? Since we have this promise, dear friends, let us purify ourselves from everything that contaminates body and spirit. Perfecting holiness out of reverence for God. Now the last bit, let's stand to our feet and where we are finished. We're going to declare this. I'm sure you want this bit now. The power of speaking yes to the following. Yes to an open heaven. Yes to an open heart. Yes to open opportunities. Yes to open favour. Yes to open intimacy. Yes to an open shared life with others. Yes to an open mind. Or maybe not this one. Yes to my pockets being opened. Especially if you're a Scotsman. No, I don't know. I'm only joking. Yes to open thinking. Being stretched and enlightened. Uh, Me being stretched and enlightened. And yes to my home being open. Now... I've read them, but you haven't declared them. So just as you had the intensity, or the lack of it in some case, to declare no, I want you to think again, only if you feel yes. to And listen, to say yes and you mean no is a lie. Don't say it if you don't mean it. So, I don't know anybody who doesn't want an open heaven, but I know loads of people who don't want an open heart. So, if you raise your hands, you can't close your eyes or you wouldn't know how to declare it. (laughs) I will send an email out this week to you all with all the no's and the yeses. So you have no reason not to keep declaring no and yes, or yes and no. (coughs) Amen? Yes and no declarations. These are the keys to you pushing, 
pressing and pursuing God so you can establish the testimony of God through everything you do. Amen? So, Lord, we are going to declare yes, or I'm going to declare yes. If you've got your, your wife here at the side of you, or your husband, what, you might want to stay, do, stand as a family and declare this. If your partner's here, not, don't worry. You can still declare it on behalf of your partner if they're not here. You know, you keep an open heaven in the house, pray. Keep walking, keep following God. That's why we said no to not having God dwelling in our house. I'm going to say yes to an open heaven. As long as my heart is open, heavens will be open. Remember, there is no progress, provision, projects fulfilled, unless, until, at least my heart is open. So, you want to raise your hands? Father, in heaven, we approach you as a congregation this morning. We appeal to you as Father. And we appeal to you as the God of heaven who has released grace and truth through Jesus Christ. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ teaches us to say no to ungodliness. (laughs) It teaches us to say no. So Lord, this morning we step in to your will and we ask you through the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ to teach us how to say no and yes to godliness and ungodliness. Father, we declare an open heaven right now over our houses, over, over this house, over my life. We declare an open heaven. We say yes to an open heaven, Father. Father, as your word begins to minister in the heart of this congregation, I declare, Father, yes to an open heart. Oh, Father, I declare it over my life, over mine and Carol's life, oh God. An open heart, Father, to your word. And Father, as my heart is open, I declare yes to opportunities. New opportunities this year awaiting us as a house of God, as a people, as a body of God. We say yes to new opportunities. Father, with opportunities, we say yes to divine favour, a greater favour, oh God, with you. Oh, Father, I thank you, oh God, that when I walk in the ways of God, I can say yes to open favour. Father, I pray for this house, and I pray for every household in this house. Lord, and I pray for greater intimacy with the Holy Spirit, with one another. I declare yes to open intimacy in this house. Come on, church. Declare it if that's what's in your heart. An open intimacy with the Holy Spirit, with His people. And here's another one. When I have open intimacy, then I say yes to open shared life with others. Oh, Father, I pray, oh God, stretch our boundaries so that our lives can be shared with others. We say yes to sharing our lives with others. Father, we say yes to an open, renewed mind. Oh, Father. Now, I want you to think about this next one. Yes to your pockets being opened. So when the Holy Ghost says give and it shall be given. Just conclude in your heart. Yes Lord, my pocket is open. I'll give where you need me to give. Say Father, I agree oh God. Enlarge my pockets. So that as money comes in, money can be given. Don't just bring it one way. Don't just look for accumulation. Look for distribution. Distribute what you've accumulated. Yes to being, to having open thinking. And for your thinking to be enlightened. Come on, just two more. This is it. We're nearly there. (laughs) This morning, for some of you, that might have started right now based on this message.
Now this one's really important because when we start authentic discipleship, we need open homes. And this is something that we're really paying. You know, we, I know an Englishman's castle, or his home is his castle. His castle's his home, whichever which one it is. Either way, he says it's mine, I'm not sharing it. But I know to get this discipleship off the ground, God has to move in the hearts of his people and they create room in their homes. That's not just for people staying, that's for inviting students for dinners, bringing them, giving them a sense of family, amongst the family. We need God to move on people's hearts. So this is one of those impossible things, difficult things that I've started to pray. Lord, make room in the hearts of your people so they will bring in the students to give them a sense of family. Amen? So yes to my home being open. Now, now listen, you're going to pray something maybe six to seven months ahead. You're praying this way beyond you because it's not started yet. But when it does... God will remind you what you prayed. And if he doesn't, I will. So, Father, right now, we lift up all that we have, our assets, our covering, our blessings. And, Lord, I say yes to my home being open for the kingdom of God, for the glory of God. I say yes, Lord. Lord, whatever difficulty. Listen, you may have an unsafe partner. Don't worry. Say yes and let God work on your partner. Don't look at the obstacle and say, I can't say yes because he says no. I said, look at beyond the difficulty. Just say yes to it and then pray towards it. I know some partners said, what are we bringing him on for? I don't want that. It's my home. Say yes and then get, let God do the miracle. Why? Because you're pressing, pushing and pursuing. You press, push and pursue things that don't make sense in the natural so you can see this morning, there are things you have to move towards and the things you have to move away from. There is no testimony established in this house without a yes, an appropriate yes, and an appropriate no being declared. This morning you have had the word of God. You have had the word of the Lord spoken to you this morning. You have to have the, you've got the grace to move towards this. Because we have just read grace and truth teaches us to say no. You've got what you need to move towards this. Amen? Amen. So in Jesus' name, Amen. Lord bless you. Let's give the Lord a standing ovation.